freedom, man. That's what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom, like the good book says. listening to what on earth is happening this show will discuss the topics of human consciousness mind control natural law the occult and all issues that affect the freedom of the people of earth what on earth is happening will endeavor to shine light upon the darkness of our world and to offer empowering solutions to the problems we face as humanity approaches it's critical moment of choice. And now, here is your host, Mark Passio. Welcome, one and all. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on the Oracle Broadcasting Radio Network. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. The network's website is oraclebroadcasting.com. Today is Sunday, September 23rd, 2012. Of course, this show is live every Sunday from 5 to 7 p.m. East Coast time. That's 4 to 6 p.m. Central time. We have a good show planned for you here today. It's going to be yet another all-call-in show on the topic of the non-support of dominators. The non-support of dominators, a topic that we have been covering over the last several weeks here on this show, and we're going to be taking your calls on this topic today. I'll give the call-in number right now at the top of the show. The call-in number is 866-841-1065. Once again, the call-in number for the show Toll-free, 866-841-1065. The topic is the non-support of dominators. Anything that we have covered in this section of solutions on the show is fair game to talk about here today on the show. There is one prerequisite for calling in only if you want to call in to defend the practice of carnism, which we talked about as one of the forms of domination which I uh, talked about as the ultimate expression of domination, in other words, meat-eating. And if you want to call in to defend that practice, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. But if you want to call in to defend it, the prerequisite for doing so is that you will have had to have watched the movie Earthlings, the documentary film Earthlings. If you haven't watched that film, I'm not... I'm, in all honesty, not really interested in hearing what you have to say in defense of carnism. If you have watched that film, I'll take your call and hear your defense of this immoral practice. Um, but if you haven't watched it, I feel like you don't really understand what you're even defending. You have not seen firsthand what you are actually advocating. And therefore, I feel like someone in that state of consciousness, in that state of ignorance, really doesn't have much worth saying. So if you've seen Earthlings and you want to defend carnism still, feel free to call in and defend it with 
that have being the prerequisite that you've seen that documentary film from beginning to end, okay, in one sitting. I'm talking about sitting down and actually watching that documentary and really taking it in, not watching two minutes of it and then deciding it's too difficult to get through and, and putting it down, okay? So the call-in number is 866-841-1065. Event announcements. Let's get these out of the way. And then I want to start in by talking about one of the events that just occurred the end of Fed rally here in Philadelphia. So the Free Your Mind Conference, of course, coming up here in the city of Philadelphia in 2013, going to be the biggest event of 2013 on the East Coast, probably. Free Your Mind 2 is a conference on consciousness, mind control, and the occult here in Philadelphia, April 25th, 26th, and 27th, 2013. The location is the beautiful Arch Street Meeting House here in Philadelphia at 320 Arch Street. The doors will open at 8 o'clock a.m. each day, and the featured speakers now, Alan Steinfeld, Alfred Weber, Andrew Bashago, Ben Stewart, Bob Tuscan, Curtis Davis, Dr. Dream Mark Peebler, Freighter X, Freeman Fly, Jan Irvin, Jay Parker, Jim Fetzer, Joseph Meyer, Laura Eisenhower, Lennon Honor, Loren Moray, myself, Mark Passio, Ross Ben, Sonia Barrett, and just added, I did not even get a chance yet to put their uh, uh, information up on the Free Your Mind Conference website, but just added to the Free Your Mind 2 Conference, Larkin Rose and Randall Carlson. So we're thrilled to have Larkin and Randall as part of the Free Your Mind 2 event. I wanted to make an even bigger, what I would consider an even bigger event announcement than that uh, regarding uh, who we're going to have coming and speaking at the conference. We have not been able to fully confirm uh, the presence of a couple of individuals I think people are going to be really excited about, but hopefully I will be able to make that announcement uh, by next week. Or actually by the week after, because next week, uh, the show will actually be a replay. I'm going to be replaying the show that I did, the interview that I did with Laura Eisenhower from uh, two weeks ago, because uh, next Sunday I will be speaking at the uh, MUFON PA East Coast Conference, which brings us to our next event announcement, the MUFON PA East Coast Conference. I'm going to be speaking at this event on morality and disclosure, the moral issues involved in the cover-up, the continued cover-up of extraterrestrial phenomena. The MUFON PA East Coast Conference will be taking place September 28th, 29th, and 30th, 2012 at the Sheraton Bucks County Hotel, 400 Oxford Valley Road in Langhorne, Pennsylvania. The speakers, in addition to myself, are John Ventry, Frank Fischino Jr., Sue Switek, Karen Dolan, Stan Gordon, Travis Walton, Rob Switek, Grant Cameron, Richard Dolan, Stephen and Stephen Bassett. For more information on this great conference coming up uh, next weekend, visit www.mufonpa.com. That's M-U-F-O-N-P-A.com. You can also visit mainlinemufon.com and click on the annual conference link where you can get uh, speaker bios and an event schedule. So, the uh, ad-free chip-in effort has been going 
absolutely phenomenally. I thank everyone who has made generous contributions, and please keep up that effort to keep the uh, What on Earth is Happening radio show for the two hours of the show ad-free. The ad-free chip-in effort chart has been reset for the next three-month period. We will need to raise approximately $1,000 by January 31st, 2013 to keep the show ad-free through the following three-month period of February, March, and April. Uh, regarding the Free Your Mind conference, we do still need um, contributors, and we still do need um, people who are willing to help to organize this event. So if you're in the Philadelphia area and you want to get involved in helping out logistically with the Free Your Mind conference, please do get in touch with me at mark at freeyourmindconference.com or mark at whatonearthishappening.com. Uh, donations would be uh, very much appreciated. We haven't really got many uh, donations. We collected a little bit at the first fundraiser. We're going to be having other fundraisers event here in the local area. But if you're not from the local area and you want to make a contribution to the Free Your Mind conference, which is uh, very expensive to put on a conference and fly people out from all over the country, uh, get a venue in a metropolitan area, lodge all the speakers, it's something that we have you know, uh, a couple of benefactors who are helping us with, but we definitely could appreciate, uh, could use some donations coming in from people. Um, if you want to make a donation to the Free Your Mind 2 event, please visit the Free Your Mind Conference website at www.freeyourmindconference.com. Click on the donations page. There you can uh, send an email and you will receive instructions on how to make a donation to the conference. Uh, buying tickets in advance is probably one of the best ways that you could actually make a donation. I mean, I would consider that as good as a donation. We want to get tickets as far in advance, ticket sales as far in advance as po possible because we could then use some of those proceeds to help pay for the uh, speaker transportation and lodging. So getting your tickets in advance will really help us out, and we would really appreciate if people can make their plans as soon as possible to attend and get the tickets that they are going to need as soon as they possibly can. With that having been said, the end the Fed rally here in Philadelphia took place yesterday on Saturday, September 22nd. And I have to say, great job to everyone who was involved. As you, people know, the last end the Fed rally that took place, I had some uh, you know, constructive criticism to give because I felt that there were things that could have been done better. And I think at this one, a lot of people stepped up, picked up the ball, ran with it, and really improved the effort. There was less people out at this event, and yet I still feel it was more effective. The organization was well done. Congratulations to Michael Heiss, Mike Salvi, doing a great job in the organization of this event. And uh, the march was done very effectively. It was at a, a, a good pace. It wasn't rushed. And people brought out flyers. We outreached to the public. Uh, I've never seen more people take this information from us than at this rally. And I'll tell you another reason I think it was is, and we commented on this at the rally, there were the, the, the Ron Paulers did not really come out to this rally. It was all focused on the topic of ending the Fed. It wasn't about supporting a political candidate. You didn't see a lot of Ron Paul signs in the crowd. You saw people who really had knowledge about what the Fed is, how it's a total financial fraud, how it's a Ponzi scheme, and they were there to stick to that topic. It was a focused effort. 
and that's what made it effective. And when we reached out to people on the street, they didn't see it as, well, this is some kind of a political campaign, and who cares about that candidate? They saw it as, what are they trying to tell us you know, about this institution? And I'd say about 90% of people who I reached my hand out to with a flyer with information about this fraudulent institution took that flyer out of my hand, and I've never, ever seen that higher of a percentage of people who were at least open-minded enough to want to receive the information. It was usually about a 50-50 split in the past, maybe even a little bit less than that. About 90% of people took information about the Federal Reserve Systems, at least out of my hand, who I tried to hand it to yesterday on the street here in Philadelphia. And that was an encouraging thing to see. I also gave a talk at the event, and that is up on YouTube. I will probably post it to my uh, site in the coming days. So that's the event announcements that I have. Let's um, see if we have anyone on the phone yet. Let me go to the call center here. Yes, we do have some callers. So again, the topic, the non-supportive dominators, open minds for the rest of the show. Here we go. Area code 480. Area code 480. You're live on the What on Earth is Happening radio show. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you very much. Um, I just, uh, I've been listening to you for about a year now, and uh, I want to thank you for... um, for your rhetoric, everything that you've been putting out um, really sinks, sinks in with everything. Um, I just want to know, I want to ask you if you're familiar with the term aquaponics. Not hydroponics, but aquaponics. I have heard of it, but I don't know how much I know about it. I know that I've read into it a little bit, but why don't you tell the listeners what it really involves? Okay. Um, aquaponics is a closed loop of water. Um, it allows you to raise fish and all the nutrients from the, the fish water get sent to your plants and your vegetables. Your the root systems clean the water and send it right back into the into the pond. So it's a closed loop. Interesting. No matter what climate you're in, no matter how big of an area you're dealing with uh, that, that you have, even if it's a balcony, you can you can be connected to your own food source. And, you know, as, I, as I've been listening to the, the carnism versus vegetarian, I also want to, you know, just say, you know, not a lot of people are calling in and arguing with you about this, are they? Well, well <laughs> I, mean, I, I, would suggest, I would suggest that we might not get very many people to argue the point because of the prerequisite that I set. And what I have noticed right. is that those who defend the practice won't sit down and watch earthlings. Or they haven't, right. and if they did, right. their position will magically, uh, almost magically, change because they are really seeing firsthand what this practice involves. Right, and I and the, and the reason why I just I really want to get the thing across about aquaponics is you know yeah if you're if you uh, if you eat meat you know and you want to start an aquaponics you can you can raise tilapia that's that's uh, the most popular thing to do with aquaponics. There's, um, and, and you can still eat meat, but I think this would be the way that we as individuals in our communities can start, you know, telling our neighbors, hey, you know, no matter how much space you got, you know, you know, we, you, know you can do this. You can, you can be connected with your food source. We, we can start, you know, um, 
start on this track to where, you know, it, it just getting our families involved in the, in the, in the actions of, of doing these things that we need to more and more, I think just like Ivan out in Phoenix, uh, last caller from last, last week, um, he's putting together a website. He's out in Phoenix. I'm out in Mesa out here in Arizona. And, and, uh, we're trying to do, it seems like the same thing, uh, put together a nice fashion package for everybody of resources and solutions for the people that, that are on the same page and, and just, just keep moving ahead. It seems like there's miracles right around the corner. And, you know, uh, I, uh, my daughter, um, she has leukemia and we're, uh, almost through with her treatments and, and we're hoping to have everything going, uh, on our side of town. Uh, as far as our, our backyard and, and being connected with our food source, uh, and and so we don't have that uh, happen again. You know, right now we're we're dependent on a lot of things, just like everybody else, and we just got to keep chipping away. And it's it's there. And I I really can't thank you enough for for putting all this out there. I can't, you know, I get frustrated every day, but uh, it's just you you have to keep going. Absolutely. Well, thank you for the call. And what I would say about regarding, you know, raising fish is I wouldn't look at that as any different than uh, raising any other kind of animal for consumption. However, um, one of the points I think that could be taken from this is that we do need to be around our own food. I think part of the problem that we're facing in society as far as dependency goes is that food is grown well outside of where we live and then it's trucked in from outside uh, and that uses way more energy, way more resources, makes it more expensive. We need to be growing food around where we live and, you know, walking past our food on a daily basis. That's really what a smart society would be doing. And the, doing it in the city, it makes it difficult. There are challenges associated, but there's a lot of different techniques for people who want to do this and they're researchable and they work and if more people started doing them then it would kind of become a, an organic process that would become easier and easier to do the problem is so few people are engaged in that practice I can tell you we do have a little garden in our backyard but uh, to, to step it up to the point where we can get the volume of food that we need it's it's difficult to do it and it's expensive to do as well so that we need to engage in you know, practices that are kind of distributed and a lot of people are engaging them and helping out the effort. There's a lot of information about this online. You could even just look up on YouTube, uh, you know, growing food around where you live. There's projects and communities that are uh, getting behind efforts such as that. And I think that's definitely really important. And it, it takes us away from dependency and domination because food is one of the biggest dependencies that there is. And that's what the dominators ultimately want to control. So good points brought up by the previous caller. Let's move on to the next caller. Caller from the 813 area code. You're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. What do you have for us? Wow, uh, thanks so much for taking my call, Mark, and um, I'm, I'm sure I, I'm uh, speaking on a lot of people's behalf and just saying, uh, man, so much gratitude for what you're doing. Uh, you know, your, your show is definitely uh, listening to it from uh, the first podcast to the last one. It's just a, it's been an ongoing spiritual experience for me, and I really appreciate that. Well, I appreciate that, sir. Thank you. Yeah, and um, I, I'd like to point the finger inward, if if that's okay. <laughs> sure. 
Um, yeah, uh, you know, one of the um, alchemical green language uh, words that, that I heard is uh, the word mirror clue, in that the word mirror clue actually means miracle. And uh, one of the reasons that I really resonate with your show is because, um, you know, I, I, I was in the same spot too where, you know, I had to face my own reflection in order to. Uh, in, in order to stay alive, you know, it was either, either I had to change or, or it was going into the grave. Um, but man, as soon as I faced myself, you know, uh, and, and came to grips, man, I got better. And, and to say, uh, you know, I'm a little bit nervous right now, so sorry. Oh, that's if fine. My just, voice shaking. No problem. Just take your time. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, man, I mean, uh, the place in consciousness that I was before, uh, before I went through that process and that, you know, I, I used to wish, uh, that, that the United States would just go over to Iraq and make it a glass parking lot, it, you know, just total, uh, I mean, just dark, dark place that I was in. But, but man, as soon as I started facing myself, I, you know, I got better. And just like you said, and I remember a few podcasts back, you said it, it's all about self-analyzation, yes. self-disclosure and, right. and amending the past. And, and that's it. <laughs> Part of what I brought up in uh, the speech that I gave at the end of Federal yesterday was that admitting that we are wrong is not a weakness, it's a strength. You know, being willing to, to look at oneself, say, no, my former actions were wrong, and I'm willing to make an apology. And the apology is actually changing the actions. It's not just about saying that you're sorry, it's about then actually reversing the course of your actions and doing something differently. So, uh, that's definitely a strength, and people need to see uh, the admission of wrongdoing, the admission of you know a, a formerly poisoned worldview, and you know the actions that are based on that worldview. Uh, being willing to say no, that is that was wrong, and I, I can reverse my position, I can change my mind on that, then do something different. That is absolutely 100% a strength and not a weakness, and should not be looked at as such by people. The ego wants us in that condition where we can never admit that we are wrong. That is a weakness. That is what keeps us weak. That is what keeps us, you know, held back from uh, evolution and consciousness, and ultimately what keeps us enslaved. Mm -hmm. in, in, indeed, and uh, I really gotta say, man, I, I love the the simplicity that you boil it down into, in that you know we, we really don't uh, have to go through all the all the conspiracy details about what's going on and especially with the monetary system uh you know we don't have to explain to people what happened at jekyll island and all that stuff i mean this money it's violently imposed on us right. and no one can argue with that and that and and to see that in your show and you're able to convey that information to such a boiled down uh you know it's just all about right and wrong yep. and it's all about face you know facing our own reflection and and uh treating other people the way we want to be treated and the fact that that you extend that into uh animal practice as well man uh you know i'm i'm working on that and uh and and i'm noticing immediate uh differences just in trying and 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 That's staying right. away from meat uh, you know, a, a couple of days a week and just how much better I feel morally. And since I feel better morally, the actions that I'm putting into the universe, they, yes. they, they're better grounded. And, it, and, it and the universe and will it, respond. The universe will yeah, respond. And it's, exactly. And it's all about those mirror clues, man. 
you know, I've been receiving those mirror clues now for, for a long, for a while, for, uh, for about eight years. And man, hearing your show has just definitely like, it's, it's refined. It's refined me. It's, it's taught me so much. And like I said, man, I'm sure I'm speaking for a lot of people that aren't able to call in right now. Uh, but your show is just, it is so awesome. And I'm, I'm so appreciative of what you're doing. Well, I appreciate you, sir. So thanks so much for the call. And uh, you brought up a lot of good points there because um, the truth is always simple. The truth is simple. It, is, it isn't about you know, bogging people down with an overabundance of details. It's about getting down to the primary fundamental axioms of our belief systems and challenging them from that level. It's from a deep philosophical level that we have to look at what our deepest, deepest held beliefs are challenge them and find out if they hold true and if they do not they have to be let go the attachment must be released from them and that's what people have a difficult time doing because they've been so used to staying in that belief system that they don't know what else there is they're in fear of abandoning that uh, because then their thinking goes to well what else is there what you know if i don't accept this what what is real you know and that's a very insecure feeling for most people we have to always take it back to the philosophical, fundamental axioms. When we get down to the very base foundations of a belief system and analyze it from there, take a deep look at it from there, that's where we're going to get to the heart of truth. And ultimately, as this past caller said, that's all about looking into oneself. That's about looking into the mirror is what that's about. So uh, great points, great call. Thanks for the call. Let's uh, go on to another caller. Um, here we go. Uh, caller, you are live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. What do you have for us? Hello. Yes. Hey, Mark. Uh, thanks for the thanks for doing the show. It's a great show. Thank you. Uh, I kind of have it's, it's kind of like a almost like a news tip. Almost like it's it's not for the faint of heart, and it, I would say that it, it rivals uh, Earthlings in it in its scale, okay. but it's. Uh, I would describe it as like a, a cultural phenomenon. Um, I kind of stumbled upon it accidentally because I, yeah, I, uh, I found you on YouTube, and uh, YouTube is really great for all sorts of enlightening information. But uh, they're also really, uh, really great for spreading carnism as, as like a, a pure satanic religion. And uh, there's a, a group that came on about 2010. Mm-hmm. And uh, they they do these their main their main demographic audience is as I would say uh, from college age college age students to ten year olds um, and what they do is they like get pounds and pounds and pounds of meat and then they just they like craft it into things and then they like act like they're cannibalizing it like they're you know like they're mad zombies and stuff and I think it's actually related to the uh, basalt incident. As well as possibly the uh, the shooting the shooting that happened in Colorado, as well as some of these other uh, incidents that are happening where people are just going crazy. Because I know you know these people are it, it's and it's really weird because people don't they don't look at they're like oh it's it's nothing it's nothing they're just it's just entertainment but it's so much more than that. Um, and it's actually part of, uh, part of a larger. Yes, it, there there is a ritualistic setting to a lot of uh, these behaviors, and you, you just need to look into how much pharmaceuticals are are injected into these animals, you know, because of the living conditions that they live in, hormones as well, 
you know, to make them bigger. It's, it's unbelievable what we're taking in through a lot of this food. And, you know, people will say, oh, well, you know, then you just go to, uh, to uh, animals that aren't treated with hormones like that or animals that aren't treated, you know, with chemicals like that. It, it, again, as we talked about last week, it's still a consumption of fear. Ultimately, you're consuming something that was taken vi through violence. So you're taking in the energy of violence through the field of energy, through the field of consciousness that we all live in. Mm -hmm. The problem is that many people uh, refuse to acknowledge that interconnection. They, they don't want to acknowledge that we are not separate from our surroundings and from other beings around us. We are not 100% individuated. We are individuated expressions of consciousness, but that doesn't mean we're cut off from everything around us and nothing that takes place around us doesn't affect us at a deep fundamental level. You know, that, that worldview, that paradigm of separation is also what needs to be released. We need to release attachment that we are separate from everything else and from the uh, surrounding field of energy and life that is all around us. We are part of that. There is no separation between us and that. And that's what uh, this, you know, worldview healing is all about, is about understanding that oneness, that lack of separation. Too many people from a left brain perspective are caught in that paradigm of separate, separateness. And to the extent that we're in that paradigm of separateness, we are also in the paradigm of enslavement. Yeah, and, uh, man... Well, I, I guess I can go from, uh, I was kind of being in a general sense, but, uh, specifically, mm -hmm. it's a, it's a YouTube, it's like the 11th most, uh, 11th most popular, uh, show on YouTube that, that does this. And, uh, I mean, I, I'm, I got their, uh, I got them pulled up on Wikipedia on the, just their list of episodes, but they, they've got like fast food sacrifice and, uh. And with with that, we've got like the symbology of the upside the upside down pentagram. Wow. They have uh, they have calling it that, huh? That's the name of it. it, it that's that that's that's uh, nothing. Like they have pig face stew. Um, they do live shows. Like they're even on uh, Jay Leno. So this is I mean this is really like a they're really really dark, but they're it's weird because they're really popular. Kind of bringing it right up into people's face. You know, the whole ritualistic aspect of it, the satanic aspect of it. They're coming more and more out right into the open because society just, you know, doesn't, they look the other way. They don't even care. They, they just accept it. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, it's just. Well, some of them might even accept it. Some of them are accepting it, though. Some of them are, they have, what I'm saying is they have a functioning cult. Like, if you go on their Facebook, they have, you know, they have, like, thousands and thousands of likes for this stuff. They have comments talking about eating children, and they have, they literally have a cult, you know? And, uh, man, I, I'm, uh, another, uh, the video games and movies that are coming out, too, like this Hunger Games, the, the Hostel movies, all these Saw movies that came out. Well, I think um, the Hunger Games in particular is a pretty allegorical about what we could be facing if we keep going yeah. down this path yeah so i think i look at that film as like a warning i think people should check out uh that film and, and the books because i checked them out i read into them and while you know i thought you know the the ending of the third book was it, to me seemed anticlimactic i was expecting something a little bit bigger but uh aside from the literary aspects of it i think it's still a great allegory regarding uh, the path that we're heading down as a species into total you know total serfdom 
you know, complete enslavement mm-hmm. and serfdom if we don't wake up and realize what's being done. I think it's even worse than serfdom. Serfdom doesn't even begin to. Yeah, it's a sacrifice ritual is what it is. They're sacrificing children in the Hunger Games. You know, that's what they're doing. So, uh, absolutely. What's crazy is just the people that, uh, what the show is called, it's, it's on YouTube, it's called Epic Mealtime. And it's funny because it's it's abbreviated as EMT. Mm-hmm. I, I believe EMTs are like uh, paramedics. Yes. And it's just it's it's really weird. It's like uh, my sister came back one day with uh, some homework talking about spying for the uh, for the Obama administration. It was called FIA, but the FIA is like a family independence agency. It was really weird, but they, they use these uh, abbreviations. I've been noticing more and more to associate things sure but well if you, if you type if you yeah. huh? go ahead oh yeah it just if you could check it out because i've been trying to tell people about it and trying to warn people but it's just i can't get any kind of a validation that you know like like you know I, I go to my uh christian grandmother and i try to tell her that they say right on their thing that they're trying to create an antichrist and she's just like i guess it's just too much of a paradigm shift Right. You just can't take it. So The more carnage, the more bloodletting, the more fear that's released, the closer they are. They, they feel that their belief system is they're going to absorb and, and direct that energy. This is part of the belief system in the dark occult, is that the energy of suffering mm-hmm. can be channeled and then directed by them for their aims. Whether you believe that or not, that's their belief and why they continue to do the practices that they, that they do. So I haven't seen these particular videos uh, personally, but I'm going to definitely check it out on your recommendation, and maybe I'll comment on it on a future show. So thank you for the call, and um, I definitely agree that there's an entire ritualistic aspect and overtone, especially when you see these big, huge gatherings of these meat-eating festivals and uh, you know, wing bowls and things like that, that are all about, um, you know, putting people into the mentality of just, you know, animalistic consciousness and, and writhing in that, you know, and, you know, overgorging yourself on as much meat as you could possibly take into your body, you know, before you burst. It's, there's definitely a ritualistic overtone, and I think part of it is to keep people in base consciousness and base awareness, because that's what you know, a, a degraded form of food and degraded practices like that will ultimately do. So, thank you for the call. Let's move on to another caller. Area code 602. Area code 602, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. What do you have for us? Hello, Mark. Yes. Okay, this is Ivan from Phoenix. Ivan, Welcome. Hi, listen, today's show, if you hear a little bit of noise in the background, it's because I'm at work, so let me know if you can hear me clearly. If not, then I'll cut it short. Not a problem. You're coming through fine. Okay, good. Well, um, wow, where do I start? Uh, I have notes still from last week and more notes that I wrote today, and just listening to the first uh few callers here gave me a whole bunch of new stuff to <laughs> ramble on about. Um, talking about that uh, YouTube uh, video influencing people or showing all this uh, death and carnage and everything sure. that touches on uh, some of the notes I was going to bring up about okay. movies. 
something I noticed in films like um, Expendables 2 and um, Act of Valor and other films of that nature. They tend to show a lot of uh, blood and, you know, guts and everything of mm -hmm. other people being killed, you know. So if you're not American and it's fine to blow them up and kill them and everybody's cheering and it's cool right. and everything. But the minute an American gets shot or, or killed, it's like, <gasps> oh, my God, you know, yeah, then, then it becomes kind of like that are, Films like that are reinforcing this in insane notion of over nationalism, you know, like this uh, excessive nationalism that everybody outside of America is bad as if we're the good guys or something like that. And it's a, 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 a part, it's a definitely an influence technique that is used by the military industrial complex to actually get people into their way of thinking about, um, you know, uh, foreigners and other countries. You know, it's taking them into this xenophobic attitude and it's desensitizing them that these people are somehow not even human, that they're somehow, you know, that it's okay or justified to treat them like that. So definitely that's that's part of the mind control system that is employed through film and Hollywood and uh, movies like that aren't aren't allegorical in nature they are there to actually get into the subconscious mind and program it. So definitely right, I'm not familiar with those that. particular movies in particular that you brought up but I can definitely tell you that's a technique that's widely used. Right, right. And uh, just recently, um, they re-released uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark in IMAX, and I went and saw it. Mm -hmm. And I was surprised that this technique, obviously, has been around for a while, but I noticed it even in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Everyone is, who's seen Raiders of the Lost Ark is probably familiar with that classic humorous scene of that uh, sword-wielding uh, Middle Eastern guy that comes out, and Indy just kind of, you know, grabs the gun and shoots him, and everybody laughs. And once I saw that, I was like, wow, even back then, just that subtle mind control, you know, implantation there of, you know, Americans, you know, we can kill anybody else and look, it's cool, it's cool to do it, you know, because we have the technology to do it. Right. Okay, and let me see, um, I was going to talk about apothesis and allegorical movies, obfuscation. You mentioned The Matrix, Planet of the Apes, Equilibrium, Hunger Games. I have put all a few clips together on my own uh, showing, you know, that um, all this boils down to basically saying no to authority and right. no to reality. That was, another, that, that was another big part of my theme at the end of Fed Rally yesterday was saying no. And, uh, you know, I, I really put my lungs into it yesterday and, uh, you know, shouted the word no extremely loudly that was heard all across the entire, um, you know, historic area in, uh, in Philadelphia here. So, uh, you know, that energy, that spirit is what we really have to take into ourselves if we're going to find the solution because the solution absolutely does lie in saying no, no to authority, no to these false religions that are, are really holding us back as a species and holding us back from uh, evolution and consciousness. They're false religions of authority and money. And, uh, I, you know, at, at some point I want to talk about it, some interaction that I had with dominators at the end of Fed Rally because um, it was very interesting to see where their perspective still is. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm sad to report it's not good. It's, it's definitely at a very very low level of consciousness and in a very brainwashed state, but I'll talk about that a little bit later. So do you have anything else for us, Ivan? 
Oh, I, I have quite a bit more, so I don't know if you want me to continue now or, do you, you know, come back later because sure. I can stay on the line again today. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, so I'll take another couple of calls, and then uh, if there's a lull, I'll, I'll come back to you. And um, uh, also, if there's a lull, I want to get into some of the interaction I had with dominators, particular dominators, at the end of Fed Rally. It'll be an interesting, uh, an interesting um, story. So thanks for the call, and I'll, I'll definitely come back to you. So hold on the line. All right. Thanks, Mark. Great. All right. Let's take another call. Uh, let me give in the call-in number again. The call-in number is 866-841-1065. Once again, the call-in number toll-free, 866-841-1065. The topic is the non-support of dominators. Anything that we have covered in this entire section on the non-support of dominators is fair game. Emotional mind control, the absolute nature of truth, solutions. What are real solutions? You know, uh, that, that a solution actually is something that dissolves the false self. It dissolves the, the ego into, and puts it into solution. That there is no political or legal solutions that that's an illusion, that these are, these are false paths that people get sent down and they're dead ends. They don't lead any place. They keep the, per, the control system going. The only solutions based in philosophy and natural law. We've talked about conscience and justification for people's wrongdoings you know, that, that they want to make endlessly. Apophysis, as Ivan just talked about, saying no as the ultimate solution. We have to say no to evil. We have to say no to wrongdoing and stop participating in it by knowing what our rights are and what they are not. You know, um, we talked about moral culpability and karmic consequences on this show and how uh, at a, a, a fundamental level, the order follower is always more morally culpable than even the order giver. Not that they're not both morally culpable, but the follower, the one who actually carries out the action is even more morally culpable than the one who whispers in his ear telling him what to do. We talked about trauma and bullying and the uh, identification with abuser or victim as part of this uh, very difficult to escape uh, trauma and uh, abuse victim cycle. Uh, we talked about the reasons for dominator's behavior, the concept of them being disconnected from the higher self, the concepts of groupthink and collectivism and the techniques of cults we explored, how dominators ultimately want to abdicate and abandon their personal responsibility for their own actions. We went into the occult symbolism that, that, is, that is attached to the dominators through their uniforms and regalia, you know, the occult mockery of the police and military. We talked about carnism as being a practice that is the ultimate expression of do domination, and we talked about women's role and the powerful influence that they can have in the discontinuation of the support of dominators if they step into that, uh, that role, if they step up in, into it and own it, and how they could be probably the most powerful influence in that regard. So all of that's on the table for today. And again, the call-in number 866-841-1065. Let's move on to another caller, area code 301. 301, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Sure. I'm getting late on your show. Uh, it sounds kind of interesting, but what 
got me to call in is the fact that uh, I went to the in the Fed rally. Okay. And I heard that you went went to one as well, and I naively thought, well, I, it was in Washington D.C. where I went to mine. What, what city did you go to? Then? Philadelphia. In the Fed Where? Philadelphia. Okay. All right. And now, how was the turnout in Washington? We had about uh, David Kokesh was there with his Thanks. megaphone and in front of the Treasury Building, and we were there for about an hour, and uh, with the people there with their signs. And uh, you, uh, you mean Adam Kokesh? Yes. Adam Kokesh. Yes. Yeah. I'm gonna say his name wrong. I think you said David. I, I believe oh, okay. and Adam. Oh yes, Adam Kokesh. Yes. And so uh, people got up and took turns on the megaphone and uh, you know talked and. Mm -hmm. um, well, well, we we were there in front of the treasure building. This big white SUV came by uh, with the window rolled down in front of the street, and you could plainly see that the driver, the passenger uh, uh, side, had a. Uh, you could see the buttstock of his uh, submachine gun. Mm -hmm. So uh, maybe there's an intimidation factor. I don't know. Of course, they're trying to to do that. They want to dissuade anyone they can through fear to get them to stand down. And you know what that is? That's a sign of their fear. See, when anybody yeah. knows that they're a liar and an abuser and a person who engages in violence and a person who is ultimately wrong and everything that they're about and doing is wrong, they have to justify that and they have to try to defend that with violence because they're afraid of the truth. They don't want people speaking the truth. That's how difficult it is to defend the lie. Truth doesn't really need any defense of it. Truth stands as what it is, period, the end, and never ultimately goes away. Man can never destroy truth. Truth is indestructible. It cannot be destroyed. People can only ignore it for a certain amount of time, but it's still there. It's still always there. And these people hate the truth. They hate freedom. They love being slaves. They love their enslavement because what they're trying to do ultimately in their own psyche they believe that it is possible to abdicate your own personal responsibility, and it cannot happen. It's n it's not only that that you can't. It's not not only like you can imagine that that can happen. It's an impossibility in the universe. It cannot occur. You cannot give up your personal responsibility, even if you try to do it. You have not really done it. You can only make the claim that you're trying to give your responsibility away to someone else. That still doesn't make it the case. That still never makes it true. Even if you're claiming, I'm not responsible, I take orders, someone else is responsible, that doesn't make it true. You're still incorrect. You're still wrong. And that's what all these people who love this control system, love being slaves, love perpetuating slavery because they don't want to do their own work on themselves, they don't really want to be free. They want to be told what to do because that's easier for them. And they think erroneously, incorrectly, okay, that they can somehow take their personal responsibility and hand it over to someone else. And that's impossible. They're attempting to do the impossible. They want to add, they don't like the fact that 2 plus 2 equals 4. They want 2 plus 2 to equal something else, but it can't ever equal anything else. That's that's an eternal truth that exists at all times and places, everywhere in the extant universe. And, you know, people will still try to make up, 
you know, ridiculous nonsense about how that, you know, that might work out in arithmetic, but not in other cases. Well, that's a semantical argument that a left brain moron wants to try to throw in, you know, some kind of uh, the, 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 the most ridiculous thing that might not conform to the, the rule and say, well, then the law, that rule doesn't apply everywhere. In arithmetic, two plus two equals four, no matter where you're at in the universe. The end. That's the truth. Well, you know, sure. and the well, same is true about responsibility. And these people believe that they can hand it away. And that's, that's, that's all based in fear. Fear of growing well, up. You know, they don't want to grow up. They want to remain eternal infants. Well, you're right. Most, most people are lazy. They, they don't want to think for themselves. They yep. want to believe the government propaganda, the government lies. Uh, these people that are in the positions of minor authority think that somehow, they, you know, they're at the top of the heap in a nest. Yes. Yes. And, and, and this, and this um, draconian, brutal police state can't be pulled off if people refuse to acquiesce That's right. and, and turn on, on each other like rabid wolves. Right. You're absolutely right. Without any and, doubt. Uh, and later on, when we're in front of the Treasury Building, you've probably seen these big, huge armored cars that the DHS is coming out with. They, they look like Briggs trucks on steroids. Mm -hmm. Two of them and two, uh, two black SUVs uh, were right near this intersection. All four of them went around in a circle, put on their sirens for about 10 seconds, and then pulled away. You know, I guess another intimidation factor. It's, it's amazing so. that you experienced this down in D.C., because in Philadelphia, the, the police were extraordinarily cooperative with us and actually um, helped to, um, you know, uh, steer traffic away from, you know, uh, the, the rally uh, pro marchers so that, you know, there wouldn't be any uh, altercations with cars. They uh, they helped you know basically uh, ensure that there was good safety between the the people who were marching uh, up and up and down Market Street here in Philadelphia and you know surrounding traffic and and that's what I think at best what should be their role if they're even going to do that or be present at all uh, they they actually performed the function that they should be doing and did not attempt in any way to intimidate anyone here in Philadelphia. And as a matter of fact, um, they engaged us in conversation. And I, you know, I, I'm going to talk about that a little bit uh, in, in a bit. That didn't really go so well because uh, there is such an intelligence divide that it is, it's, it's sad. It, it's very, very sad um, that we're really talking about people who are so dumbed down that my, I, I actually feel pitifully sad for many of them. So, um, but, but at the same time, they were at least respectful and I have to give well, that good. credit as, as human beings, they were respectful of what we were there to do. So that, uh, you know, was definitely very, a different dynamic between Philadelphia and Washington, DC. And I'm, uh, you know, not happy to hear that that's uh, how you were treated in, uh, you know, the capital city. Well, how many people showed up for you, Philly rally? I'd say we probably had about 100 people in the total march, which is also a pathetic number. But again, it wasn't about numbers. I think it was about focus this time. And, you know, whereas we might have had a few hundred people last time, you know, two or three hundred, um, I don't think it was nearly as effective as this time because the people who showed up this time were quality, knew the issue, and were there to, to do some outreach to the public. And that's why I think it was quite effective. So, um, 
you know, while we had small numbers, and I would like to see those numbers increase for people who really understand this issue and want to support it, um, it wasn't about uh, quantity. It was about quality. Sure. And then we marched up in front of the Federal Reserve Building, and I'm surprised that they allowed us to get this close. We marched from the public sidewalk up to the steps, mm-hmm. nearly to the doors of the Federal Reserve Building, and we mm-hmm. stood there in line and burned uh, symbolic dollar bills right. and just uh, started you know, talking about the Federal Reserve, uh, and there are like a half dozen uh, Federal Reserve guards uh, almost within arm's reach from us, right. a couple of them armed with submachine guns. And they just stood there and watched. The last time we went there, they wouldn't even let us get up that far. We there for now, a how, few minutes. How many people were at then, this rally? Huh? How many people would you estimate were at this rally? About 50 or so, I would say. Okay. So even maybe smaller than the Philadelphia um, crowd, which is sure. not saying much. I mean, the Philly crowd, is it was probably as light as it's been for one of these rallies in the past. And uh, for... For even it, it to be less than that in Washington, that's showing pe- that showing us that there are not enough people who are actively getting involved, you know, and coming no, it, out it, to support these efforts. It's pitiful. I don't know how much good it does. We handed out pamphlets and some DVDs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I don't do anything, then I'll go nuts. And maybe I'm not doing the right thing. I know I'm not doing enough, but I feel as if I have to do something. And uh, but uh, can I talk briefly about movies? Sure. Maybe I'm a glutton for punishment, but, I'm, but I'm let, let me say something real quick about your effort. Sure. As long, do something. What you're doing, you know, if you want to step up the effort and do more, great. Do what you're capable of, but do something. Don't just sit there and talk about the problem. You know, reach out to people. Definitely get involved. You know, and and if you're doing that, you can say, hey, I've contributed, I've done something at least. And another part of this, though, without even just doing something, you know, do what you're capable of. Do put as much effort as you feel you can into it, but keep it going. Sustained effort is what this is about. That's what will is about. Will isn't about making one big burst, you know, effort and then stopping. That's not what's going to get this done. Ladies and gentlemen, if you think that's how it's going to work, you're sadly mistaken and extremely naive. This is going to be about patient, sustained willpower. Sustained effort is what is going to be required. You know, they say, you know, slow and steady wins the race, and it's true. When the chains of slavery are going to break through constant, sustained pressure upon them. That's how we'll make them break. Not just one quick, you know, burst and then boom, snap, and then it's done. It's not going to happen like that. It's going to be, again, a, a patient, sustained effort where you may not see the, the results of your effort at first. But over time, if it's sustained, it's like enough people pushing on a fence or a wall with sustained effort and force and continuing to build and build and build, and eventually it goes down. That's what's going to be required here. So... I just wanted to say that, and then you can get into your other point. Yeah, well, I just wonder uh, how many more uh, times we can have rallies like this before the the, the hammer shopped on us with the police state. So I just don't know, you know, with economic collapse looming and a possible World War III, how long are we going to be able to have this kind of Yeah, well, in in all honesty, to be be quite blunt, and I really don't care uh, who's listening, I don't care who thinks otherwise uh, for me saying this, at the point that free speech is shut down, 
then the revolution must go hot. That's all I have to say. Once you yeah. stop people from speaking, then it isn't about words anymore. It becomes about bullets. And that's all I have it's to say. A, it, sure, it's almost at that point now. But I want to talk about movies for a minute because you mentioned them earlier and how they can be used for predictive programming. And I pretty much have seen them all from Mad Max to Solian Green to... Have you seen the movie The Road? Uh, yes. Is that the one about the survival? About, uh, yeah, the, 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 the man and his son? Yeah, good movie. Yeah. Definitely, yes. Good movie, but it's, it's about as bleak as it can get. Well, but I think it, a may, new... it makes a hopeful point, though, that, that there needs to be something that is even beyond our desire to survive, which is what the sun represents. Getting out of just the R-complex mind of based on survival that the father represents, and the sun was about trying to treat people humanely. It is a very dark story, but, you know, it's all ultimately, that movie is actually about compassion. It's about keeping compassion alive, especially through dark times. And uh, you know, I think it, it makes a valid allegorical point. But, yeah, it's definitely a dark movie, for sure. About keeping, well, about keeping the flame of humanity alive in a dire world. Right. But there, there's, a, and I don't want to take up too much time. I'm sure you got other people calling to your really fine show here. That's okay. But there's a, to get back, you know, uh, there's a new TV series on NBC. I think it's Thursday evening at 10 o'clock. It's called Revolution, and it opens with a EMP attack uh, on the United States where, you know, everything shuts down, all cars break down, uh, circuits are down, uh, the power grid is down. Then it fast-forwards 15 years into the future, and it takes up with this one survivalist very small community. Interesting. Well, once again, real quick, we're coming up at the uh, station break at the top of the hour. What is this uh, show called again? It's called Revolution. Revolution. And it, it's, uh, I saw it, uh, you can go to NBC.com and see it at your leisure. Uh, I think it may have had one or maybe two shows so far. Now, you know how that's all. That's all the time we have for right now. We're coming up at the station break. We'll be back in two minutes. Stay with okay. us. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. Today, an all-call-in show. This is the second hour of the show. Toll-free number to join us, 866-841-1065. Once again, the toll-free number to join us in our conversation on the non-supportive dominators, 866-841-1065. Uh, I'll bring the last caller back up to finish his point. Caller, you were talking about the uh, show called Revolution that is a new uh, TV show that was uh, about, uh, it's partially about the loss of freedom that we're experiencing. Is that correct? Well, it just basically paints a uh, dystopic future where uh, the population is heavily depleted, 90% loss after an EMP, uh, an apparent EMP attack, hmm. and about the survivalist community trying to uh, get by uh, between the militias and the roving bands of brigands that are in the area. And Jericho started out promising. I don't know if you saw that series. but the I love went... Jericho. I thought Jericho well, was a great allegory. Well, I, I think, you know, I'm real picky, I suppose, but I think it started out good, 
but they had some uh, episodes that went into dead ends, and then it seemed like it wound yeah. up being like a post-apocalyptic Cheers, where people are sitting around in a candlelit bar drinking booze that comes from God knows where. Right. Yeah, I mean, there were definitely some, uh, you know, story writing issues and plot holes and things like that. But the main allegory was about, it was a false flag attack. The nuclear attacks were false flag. And think about it. The one bomb that did not go off, this is, was highly symbolic, and I have no question in my mind that this was deliberate and symbolic. The one bomb in that um, TV series that did not go off, that was actually uh, that the city was rescued from destruction, from nuclear destruction by the main hero in the, in the uh, story, Jericho, was headed for Columbus, the name of the goddess, the dove. Columbus, Columbe means dove. And Columbus is named after the goddess figure, Venus Columbe, and Columbus represents the sacred feminine or the heart or care of the spirit. And that's what was being symbolically said there is that, you know, we need to rescue care. We need to save the sacred feminine. And um, th that I thought that was very symbolic. And then they referred to these attacks as the September attacks because they were false flags. And it's kind of like an allegory about the, September 11th false flags that we experienced in New York and Washington. So I, I thought it was a good allegory while yes, some of the writing, you know, could have been a little bit better there. Uh, you know, and they also canceled the show and then brought it back. You can't forget that too. Uh, I, I don't yeah. think they wanted people to see the nature of the, that allegory. And that's why, you know, uh, the probably higher level executives at these TV sta stations wanted that show put down. But the fans actually responded to it so well, they, they wrote in and, and wanted the story finished, and they got a, a few additional episodes for that second season and got them to finish the storyline. So, Yeah, the, the fan base got a uh, reprieve. But if you notice it, too, like on the Fight, fight Club, at the ending of the movie, you'll see uh, high-rise buildings going down in a controlled yes. demolition, sure. the lone gunman episode... Oh, absolutely. Hit, you know, so they basically let us know what they're going to do. You know, hey, uh, thanks for letting me talk and absolutely. keep up the great work. You got it. Thanks. And maybe I'll maybe I'll check in next week after you watch the uh, couple episodes of the Revolution series and look, see what you think about it. Great. Sounds good. All right. Take care. Okay. You too. All right. Let's move on to another caller. Area code seven zero three. You're live on what on earth is happening? Welcome. Hello, this is David. I was Hi. curious if there's any way you can get the movie that's mentioned for prerequisite. Uh, I'm sorry? Okay. Uh, can you just repeat the question? I was wondering, if you, before you had mentioned a movie that you needed to have watched before coming Correct. in. Correct. Yeah, it, it only, only, if, only if the caller wanted to defend the practice of carnism. It's called Earthlings. It has been posted to the podcast page with the previous two podcasts, the two podcasts that I did on the topic of carnism. And the movie link is directly there. Actually, you can also just go right to, I believe it's earthlings.com, or you could type right into uh, a, a search engine, um, earthlings movie or earthlings documentary, and you can go right to the page and watch it for free right on their website, on the homepage of their website. Uh, you guys don't mail those to people. No, no, I don't directly mail it. It's available right online for free. 
So anybody can watch this at any time of the day that they want. Just go right up to the Earthlings website. I have it linked on my previous two podcasts, whatonearthishappening.com. You click the podcast tab. And then for the two podcasts that I did on carnism, which uh, I believe were, um, uh, if you give me one moment, I'll tell you the exact podcast numbers. Uh, the shows that I am talking about were shows number 121 and 122. I linked, uh, actually, uh, 121, 122, and 123, I linked the movie Earthlings in the um, notes, in the, in the uh, related uh, videos notes for the podcast. So if you go to the podcast tab of my website, shows number 121, 122, and 123 all have the links for Earthlings there. Is there anything else you wanted to comment on? Or any questions? I was just wondering if there was anybody who could tell us. Great. It's a movie sense. Okay. So well, I could actually review it. Well, absolutely. If you're interested in checking that out, that's how you can uh, can go about doing that. If you just give me one moment, I'll tell you the exact address. I think it was Earthlings.com is just the direct ad address. Let me just check that for you for a moment, and uh, let's see. Yes, it's Earthlings.com. Earthlings.com, E-A-R-T-H-L-I-N-G-S.com. You could just go to that site and watch the movie for free. And uh, I, I was just wondering, so, I'm awful busy with so, other projects we're working on. That, that's the address. You can check it out. And uh, good luck and brace yourself, sir. That's all I can say to, to the previous caller. So uh, let's move on to another caller. Here we go. Art, you are live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. Mr. Passio, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm well. Um, yeah, that uh, revolution, the pilot was not long ago, and I believe just a few days ago was the first episode of season one, but I'm at uh, NBC.com right now, and I don't see the uh, season one, episode one posted yet, so I don't know what the delay is on that. But It sounds anyway. interesting. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't generally watch television, but occasionally I'll download a show if it's allegorical in nature and check it out to see what you know, um, what uh, moral lesson it may have. So um, it sounds interesting. Maybe I'll check it out. Well, it's not what I originally called in about. I was just mm -hmm. going to comment on sure. it real quick. Uh, Absolutely. But it, is, it it does show great promise. And I'm with you. I thought Jericho was awesome. And uh, I agree. I saw Illuminati in your face. This is one possible plan we have for you sure. suckers. Kind sure. Of thing, you know. So uh, when you, when that, you know how psychopathic... When you know how psychopathic these people are, you know that they wouldn't hesitate for a moment. If it meant maintaining their control, they would go as far as detonating nuclear weapons in populated regions. Absolutely, absolutely. But anyway, what I called in about, uh, what got my attention, I've been out building on chicken coops and stuff all day, but I came in just about like the last 15 or so minutes sure. of the previous hour. So... Uh, I didn't catch most of it, but what I did catch got me thinking. And you were talking about what it takes, what it's going to take is, uh, what do you call it, sustainable? Sustained uh, willpower. Yes. Preservation. Yeah. Sustained got, will. Sustained effort. Yes. Well, well, that got me thinking, you know, I remember when I was studying law, and I never did take the bar or anything like that because I didn't, that was never my intention. My intention was only to learn the law and how to apply it to my own personal life and my family. But uh, when I was studying law, um, we were taught to pay very close attention to, uh, to uh, case law 
and how precedent is set. And uh, one of the things you look for are very specific, standout-ish kind of quotes that the that the uh, that the court will, you know, put in their writings. Uh, and you look at both the the uh, opinion of the majority and the minority. You have to look at both of them to see what they say to really grasp the full comprehension of the court's determination in the case. And I forget what case it is, but the court actually rendered in its determination that the only people, and I'm going to come to a point here, the only people who actually will ever, because I don't remember the real wording, the actual wording, so I'm just going to kind of summarize. Sure. But what they were saying was the only people who really can ever expect to receive remedy or find remedy within the system, within the court system, within the judicial system, mm-hmm. are those who are willing to be literally a belligerent claimant in person. So when you talk about what it's going to take is sustained will and determination, if we take that the, the whole principle of being a belligerent claimant in person and apply it to that, I think you can be quite successful because if you are absolutely belligerent in remaining free right. and sovereign, then your will, your sustained will and determination is going to kick in naturally, and you're not even going to think about have to think about what you're doing. You right. just apply it in a very simple, logical fashion, and you can live a free and sovereign life without any, with little or no effort whatsoever. And I would also say that is an extreme point of view. The truth is extreme. It isn't about being wishy-washy. It isn't about going halfway. It's about 100% determination and extremity. You know, when people call me an extremist, I say, thank you. That I, I wear that with a badge of honor. I wear that as a badge of honor. I am an extremist. The truth is extreme. It is not moderate. It is all one way and none of the other way, not even a little bit. The truth is that which is and does not waver from that which is. So I, I, I think there's a valid point here that we have to stand in the truth, which is all one way, and not be willing. That's belligerence. That, that's very belligerent. That's a belligerent attitude because it's total belligerence against the lie. The lie of authority. Absolutely. Now, I would like I, to say, I, I'd like to see, see us take it even one step further. Why would we even have to acknowledge that the court system is the only person or the only entity that can, in in any way, uh, allow us to be left alone? If we haven't harmed anybody, and we know that in full knowledge, I have harmed none. And you, you don't have a right to a minute of my time unless I'm willing to grant it to you. I feel like if I have harmed none, I don't need to show up anywhere to go through any hoops, to jump through one hoop to explain one thing to another person. Someone else does not have a right to my time, to my effort, to my will, to my money. I can apply that. But someone else doesn't say that I'm demanding this of you and you must show up at a certain place at a certain time. You know, if I've harmed someone, then that's a different story. Then, you know, I need to make some kind of restitution and, you know, there could be even possible, uh, you know, retribution consequences coming my way if in case the fact is I've harmed somebody. But for that authority to just be placed in some court in in that institution's hands, 
I still don't. I I can't. I can't even bring myself to agree with that thing. That point. It's even like the idea that you know I'm going to file the right paperwork to become a quote sovereign citizen or to be recognized as a free man on the land. While I I love the idea of 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 having that status, the the concept is we already have that status. That's already present. It's already the truth. The problem is, is that there's this illusory religion that other people believe in called authority, that they believe is vested in these institutions and in other individuals who are members of these institutions. That, the pro that's the problem is that that lie and that religion is still present, and that's what has to be shattered to dust. So we, so we get to a point we don't even need to justify anything to anybody. We don't need to try to prove something to anybody. If there's no harm being done by me to another living being, I need to be left alone by other people. That's the ultimate right that exists. The no that's the number one human right, is the right to be left alone. The right to be allowed to remain, exist, and live unaccosted so long as I have caused no one else harm to their person or property. And that's how that's Absolutely. how simple we have to get it down to. Yeah, and you know, I have to laugh when I hear these people talking about, you know, you gotta file this affidavit of intent right. and right. this and that and I'm thinking, wait a minute, hold on, hold on just a second. It's like you know, well, and this is what I tell people, wait a minute, you know, you, this doesn't make any sense. You're telling me that I just can't simply stand here and look out there and say, look, I am a free man. You That's have right. no right or authority to come in here and dictate to me how to live my life, what to eat, what not to eat, what to drink, what not to drink, where to go, who to hang out with. That's it. Who the end. are you? The end. Nothing else. Full stop. The end. Nothing else. And that's. You, you want to know how humanity is going to be free? That's how it's going to be free, with that attitude. We project that attitude out into the world. Nothing can stand between us and our inherent, God-given, natural right to be free. Right there, you said it. Phenomenal. That's it. That's it in a nutshell. But yet they'll sit there and they'll tell you, you know, just go read S. Uh, what is it? S. Five ten. You know, if you grow your own food and you got your own chickens for eggs and meat and you got your own uh, cattle and goats, whatever for milk or whatever, you are a criminal. Really? How is this working out for you? I mean, is this the hope and change you hope that you were looking for, America? Because I tell you what, if this is what they will, if, if this is the hope and change you want, I want no part of this nightmare. This is absolute lunacy. Anyway, uh, Mr. Passio, thank you so much for your time and thank you, uh, sir. great show, man. I'm out. Thank you. All right, let's move on to another caller. Area code four. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'll, I'll pause here just for a moment because I, I do want to bring up before we go to the other callers. Callers, please stay on the line. Be patient. I'm going to get to you. Lots of other people uh, waiting on the line, so that's great that more people have called in. I want to just take a couple of moments to talk about uh, the dynamic that I personally engaged at the end of Fed rally because when we showed up, I immediately began talking to the police. And this is one of the things I think people need to do more and more is like really just directly get involved in conversation with these beings because until we change their minds, you know, things are going to be increasingly uh, difficult to say the least. 
We need to reach their minds and hearts, and you're going to see how much of a wall, how much of a divide is already built by years of indoctrination and by religion. And again, I'm not using the word religion in the sense of Christianity, uh, Islam, Judaism, uh, Taoism, Hin uh, Hinduism, Buddhism, anything like that. I'm talking about the universal religions that they are so attached to, no matter what religious background they may come from, they are so attached to the religion of authority that it trumps their religion. And I'm going to give you an example. And I I'm going to have some harsh words because I think it needs to be told as plainly and succinctly as possible and unapologetically. While as human beings, I can respect another individual, okay, and I could show them respect, in the role that these police are playing in the world, they are as dumb as a bag of bricks and a lot less useful, all right? And you could say, oh, that's being so harsh, that's judgmental. Yes, it is on both accounts. It's harsh and it's judgmental. Those who have the knowledge have a right to say other people are really exceedingly dumb, that they are completely ignorant. You know, that's, that's not a problem if you really do know better. You can look at a child and say that this child doesn't know as much as I do. They're very naive. And at this point, they're not intelligent. Intelligence is something that has to be built. It has to be built over time. That's why in the tradition of Freemasonry, it's all about the building of the temple within man. It's a process. It takes time to engage it. And it takes sustained effort to build a structure that is sturdy and worthy. Okay, so when, in, in engaging these police officers, one of the things, and maybe some videos will crop up on YouTube because we had a fairly lengthy exchange in engaging them one of them actually said to me which I thought was a, a, a an admission that you know I, I almost was like sad to hear him make it in a way but at least he admitted it he actually said in just hearing you speak for a little bit of time I realized that you are so much more intelligent than me. And he used the term intelligent. He didn't say intellectual, intelligent. I'm not even saying this to toot my own horn or anything. This has nothing to do with me. I'm talking about how ignorant the people who think that they know what they should be doing are, really, truly, and were admitting their ignorance. He said to me, one of the police officers I engaged at the end of the rally said to me, you are so much, your intelligence is so far beyond mine. And I recognize that, that it is almost like we are speaking two different languages. And I am having a hard time even comprehending the concepts that you're trying to get me to grasp. He admitted that to me with his own words, which again, I thought was profoundly sad. And yet... I had to at least have some respect because he at least admitted I am not at your level of awareness. And that's the problem. I, I, and I, I, I told that to him. I said, I, I, I respect you for saying that and admitting that. And therein lies the problem. That's the, the gap I'm trying to bridge. 
and I'm trying to help you to understand what I've already come to understand. Because if you and others like you don't come to understand it, we're going to be in a world of hurt, all of us. It's not going to be pretty, the eventuality that we're rapidly heading toward. And at least they, the, the, the two gentlemen I engaged were willing to hear out a, a, a good bit of the philosophy that I was laying out for them. They didn't walk away. They didn't dismiss it. They were not dismissive at all. So I have to have respect at that level that at least they listened for a time. But the religion of authority has them in its grip. I mean, deeply. One of the things I was trying to convey is that no individual anywhere on the earth or anywhere else for that matter has the right to rule another individual. And I tried to keep it at a level of individual. See, the problem is they're so brainwashed and indoctrinated into collectivism that they can't even any longer conceive that there is actually really such a thing as an individual, and that's all there is. That this idea of a state or a group of people all wanting the same thing or deciding upon the same thing is an illusion. Yes, there is a whole of humanity, you know, that is, that is right now bound to this planet. But the, the point I was trying to get him to understand is that a right that does not exist for an individual can never be granted to a group or even other individuals, no matter whether people believe it can or not. So he didn't, could not intellectually grasp the concept that there is no such thing as the transference of a wrong. You can never grant a wrong to someone to do. That's an impossibility. It doesn't exist. You cannot do that in nature. You can say you're doing it again. It's like trying to abdicate responsibility. You can make the claim, I'm giving up my responsibility to someone else, but you haven't really done it. Actually, in reality, you, haven't, you cannot do that. It's not possible. Your responsibility is always yours and can never be given away. The same is true with right and wrong. A right always remains a right, a wrong forever remains a wrong and cannot be turned into a right. So I was trying to explain to these police officers that you believe in a religion that states that a wrong can be granted to someone else and that, that then they may be allowed to do it. And he couldn't grasp that concept because all he could think about is the collective, the people, the state, somehow gives that power to certain groups to a certain group of people within it. I even asked him, where do you, where do you, do you know where rights come from? And he got the answer immediately. He said, rights come from God, not man. He actually said that. And I said, well, how can you not then see that the concept, the very concept of authority is an attempt to elevate man to the status of God, to the place of God? to reverse those roles and say man is the authority. We get to make up what's right and wrong through arbitrary dictates called law. And he couldn't see it. The imagination was not open enough. You know, his mind was at least open enough to hear some of my words, but not open enough to get the concept, to integrate the concept. But guess what? It's progress. Because if his mind was at least open enough to hear the words, the truth cannot be unheard. And if that ground is at least somewhat fertile, 
that seed will nestle there and eventually sprout. So, with that being said, let's go back to the phones. Area code 480, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. All right, this is uh, Nathan again, and I, I don't know how long my phone is going to last here, and I apologize for any background sound. Um, I mentioned aquaponics at, at the beginning there, um, and I was wondering, I have a website, but I'm too embarrassed to put it out. I just I still need to fill out, uh, you know, put in all the meat and potatoes uh, into it, but there's a... Uh, uh, a, a family. Uh, there's there's a a website that I would like to to share, and I, I was wondering if it'd be okay if I could uh, put it out there. Sure. Okay, it's gardenpool.org. The family that uh, turned their pool into an aquaponic system, and um, they offer plenty of free resources. Um, out to anybody who wants to come and check out their website um, as far as turning their own uh, their own land no matter how small it is um, in, 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 in utilized aquaponics and uh, aside from that man I, uh, I hope you take calls down the road here because I, I really do think that uh, you know uh, my website will have uh, a lot to offer and um, I just need to uh, give it out after sure. After I really get it going here. No so problem. Thank, thanks for the info. And yes, we will be taking out other. Uh, we will be taking calls on future shows. Absolutely. Um, uh, I just uh, did not take them during the non-supportive dominators because I really wanted to hammer home the, the concepts in that section uh, uninterrupted. So uh, calls will be a, part, a regular part of the show as we go forward. Area code seven seven four. You're live on what on earth is happening. Welcome. Greetings, Mark. Hey, how are you? Yeah, it's Freighter X. How you doing, buddy? Brother, welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, one of the speakers for the Free Your Mind 2 conference, Freighter X. Welcome to the show. I am uh, honored to be here. Great show. I'm obviously a huge fan of you, Mark. Thank the Lord Buddha for Mark Passio. <laughs> I, 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 lo I love your show, brother, as well on American Freedom Radio. Uh, give, give a plug. Give your website, please. Uh, tell the listeners. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because we actually have a new time slot. I've uh, with the new time next week, starting next week for uh, 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 the Middle Chamber on AmericanFreedomRadio.com is uh, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. Okay. So we're actually two hours earlier. For all my listeners out there, just show up two hours earlier, and uh, it's the same great show. Awesome. G g give them your website as well. MiddleChamberFX.wordpress.com is the new URL. Thanks, great. Mark. I appreciate it. MiddleChamberFX. MiddleChamberFX.wordpress.com. All right, great. All right, brother, yes, I know you're going to have something. Dominators. I know you're going to have something profound for us. Yeah, I just wanted to say, Mark, I, I, you know, I, your your campaign on the non non supported dominators is uh, commendable, my friend. Uh, I was first turned on to this from John Lash and his work, uh, not in his image. He, he first pointed out, pointed out the victim perpetrator paradigm, yes. which the Abrahamic religious infection produces in the human psyche, and uh, it's a transgenerational, multicultural 
imprintation program, and you're so familiar with I know. Yes, very, and, very uh, similar to the abuse victim cycle, as I've, I've described it on the show, yes. Yeah, and anybody who heard last night my show with uh, Joseph Atwell, where we talked about uh, Caesar's Messiah and uh, the Roman conspiracy to invent Jesus and invent the Christian religion as a means. Uh, religion, as we know, is a mental virus, a tool of the elite. And I commend you, sir, for being out there in the front lines, going into the streets and, and confronting the police. In my position, as you know, uh, a member of uh, Fraternal Orders, I've come into con close contact with police. I've, I've sat in lodge in a higher rank in the lodge line than the police. So that's always been interesting because then we go out into the public and interact. Right. And my unique position, it's always uh, very surreal. And I've, I've been very confrontational, as you know, you know, that the cops, the local pigs, I mean, that's what I got to call them because they're mostly asleep. You know, they're like swine, they're asleep. And uh, the local cops, they lack the education. All of them are master masons. And in the fellow craft degrees in the Blue Lodge system, it is all about the seven liberal arts, the trivium and the quadrivium. That's what you're supposed to be doing is educating yes. yourself yes. and cultivating uh, wisdom and awareness. That's right. I, I've, and they said, I've, I've said on this show in the past, the entirety of the true esoteric tradition of Freemasonry ultimately lies in degree two, the fellow craft degree. It can be Absolutely. said that is a microcosm of the entire tradition. And I feel that, uh, Almost every Mason that is out there that is calling themselves a Master Mason or any degree beyond that actually should never have been passed. Because passed Absolutely. is that, what we yeah. refer to when we talk about obtaining degree number two, the fellow craft. Entered his first degree, passed his second, and mastered his third. There are most of the Masons out there should never have been passed because they do not grasp the lesson at all of degree number two, which, again, I feel is the heart of all Freemasonry, true Freemasonry. Absolutely. And the, 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 uh, the original uh, initiatory system was a seven-year process from initiate to fellow of the craft. That's correct. Or journeyman. You know, the secondary was a journeyman, like in the local... The, the modern trades, they use that term journeyman. Which would you not think would, so, be, would be a fair assessment to, to, to say how much time would be required to take really in the level of information and knowledge that is required to process to, to really change your mind? That sounds about a fair assessment. And now it's done in what? A day? Well, if that? In weeks. Uh, well, in weeks. weeks if, uh, in the Blue Watch system, yeah. Uh, it's it's really uh, not not very uh, not comprehensive at all. And not so, true to I, the I don't original want to all the time. Sure. But Mark, I wanted to just uh, you know to throw out that listen. I've been I've been really uh, appreciating the the most recent series that you're working with, mm -hmm. and I stand you know with relation to the subject of carnism, um, which I am both intrigued and convicted by. Thank you very much. <laughs> But I have to say, in fact, you have diminished my uh, carnivorous experiences. <laughs> so, I apologize. I'm sure you appreciate that. Well, no, you actually don't. I'm sure you appreciate that. Yes, yes. I, I know what you mean. What, I know what you mean. That's what I mean. But and you, it's the same process that you yourself, uh, you know, have gone through. Mm -hmm. And uh, but what I wanted to ask, Mark, because I, it keeps coming up in, in the 
in my thought process, I'm listening to what you're saying. And I just, I wanted to get your take on this. My question to you, and probably some of the listeners might appreciate this, is that, well, no, Mark, with relation to the idea that you put forth in the most recent shows, probably two shows ago, you spoke about the etheric universe, the energetic universe in which we all exist within, and how the suffering of a living thing within this etheric realm has an effect on all living things within the realm. Yes. And, and you mentioned how the idea of carnism, you know, the idea of our awareness of suffering and then the reception of the flesh as a form of sustenance as a result of suffering, we actually continue the suffering and the fear that's, right. that's produced. And so what I wanted to ask you, Mark, was, because I can really, I can really understand that, and I and that that is very compelling and convicting for myself to to think about, and I think there's a lot of a lot of uh, of merit in what you say about the effect that can have on humanity to to ingest fear and then to produce it once again and continue with it. And so, so what I, 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 ask I know you, that would resonate with someone like yourself because you are studying the occult aspects to creation, that which is hidden or is not easily revealed to the site, which takes a lot more introspection and, and deep study and work with these concepts to really bring it to the, to the surface so that it can be seen. That's the difference between one who is an occultist who studies the hidden laws of nature versus those who uh, do not and think that it's all about just the physical level of our existence. So uh, I yeah, think that's, that's a great point, very right? applicable, yes. It, because it's already, I'm already aware of that, and I'm already thinking on those terms. And so, what I, what I immediately, the, the thought process, it takes me to the idea of what of the animal kingdom, Mark? What of the predator prey dynamic? How does that relate to what we understand with regards to the moral implications of the awareness of fear? Right. Okay. So I'll bring up two things regarding this, and that's a phenomenal question. In natural law, when people say, well, animals eat other animals, so why shouldn't humans do it? It seems like it's natural. Human beings, because of the, the complexity and the um, different nature, the higher nature of their consciousness and their ability to think and reason and comprehend and delve into the laws of nature and understand them. So their ability to reason and understand ultimately holds a human being to a higher standard when it comes to moral law than animals are held. Now, that isn't to say that when an animal you know, eats another animal, that's wrong for them. We are held to a higher standard because of our higher consciousness. So natural law is going to have an effect upon us for doing that. There is also another consideration to take into account when it comes to this. And something that um, has been hinted at in ancient writings, that it is very possible that perhaps even in the, the quite ancient past, or maybe even not in the, in the so distant ancient past, but in the near ancient past, that this even was not always the case for animals. People believe in this linear progression that, that species cannot fall from a place that they once were, from a higher place they once were. We have this erroneous notion through archaeology and anthropology and other sciences who uh, haven't really seen the full picture in scope about how cycles of time work. Okay? And 
the, people think we're moving in a linear progression from less advanced to more advanced, and nothing could be further from the truth. We have seen higher places of our civilization, we have seen lower, and time moves in cyclical progressions that are not we're not bound to those cycles, but they are tendencies, and our choices will ultimately determine what we experience as a result of those tendencies and uh, how we react to those ebbs and flows in time, of those cycles of time. There is a high degree of probability and a lot of evidence through uh, some ancient records that animals were not even always at the base level of consciousness that they were at and perhaps did not engage in the types of practices that they engage in in what we call the natural kingdom, you know, uh, at some past moment in time. So animals may not even have always been like this. We're looking at their current condition and just accept, accepting the notion just because we see it like this and it, for as long as we've been paying attention or keeping records in the modern world believe it has always been like this and therefore that is how it always should be again this directly relates with worldview what you believe we are or are capable of becoming and I talked about one of the defenses for carnism or justifications for it as the we are argument. And you'll hear people saying this all the time. We are hunter-gatherers. That's what human beings are. No, that's a condition that human beings were experiencing and actually really even aren't experiencing that except in isolated pockets of the world today. We are not anything. We can be what we want to create ourselves into. Uh, uh, other than the makers of right and wrong, we can basically be anything we want. That's not, man cannot ever make that. But man can evolve and not be bound to certain practices or ways of being in the world that he may have once uh, bound himself into or environmental conditions may have temporarily bound him to, do, uh, to, to engage in. We are not anything. That's the whole thing to keep in mind here. That's the worldview. If you're stuck in the worldview that the current condition is eternal, you might as well hang up your hat now and walk out and give up. And why bother saying a word, talking to anybody, trying to affect any change? Accept your situation. Because right now you're a prisoner. So could we say human beings are prisoners and that's just eternal and you must accept that and be like that forever? No, it's, it's ridiculous. It's nonsense. You have a choice. Choice is what's keeping us in the prison of our own design, of our own making. We can choose something different if enough of us want it. The same is true when it comes to what we call nature. What, we are call what most people are calling human nature has nothing whatsoever to do with what the real essence of humanity is. It's the current condition that they are attached to and identified with and think can never be changed. They think that it just always was, is now, always will be, and it has to be accepted. And that is a poisoned worldview, attitude, and way of looking at the world. So I don't even look at it as animals have always been like this. I think animals were once at a higher level of consciousness and didn't do this to each other. How about that? I think 
We were once at a higher level of consciousness, didn't engage in carnism. We're now at a low level of consciousness, and we have an opportunity to move to a higher level of consciousness based upon our choices and our consciousness, what we can perceive, what we can become aware of that is taking place within us and around us, and we can choose at any given time once we've developed that consciousness to be something other than what we currently are. So those two things together, that we're held to a higher standard because of our capability of understanding uh, the, the, the realm of the unseen and the, the laws of right and wrong, we're held to a higher standard than the animal kingdom who is not capable of reasoning at the level that we are. That's number one, no, uh, number one aspect to the answer to your question. And then number two is that you know, people believe that you know, this is just the nature of things. This is the, quote, natural order in their mind. And I believe that they're fundamentally mistaken. That's a fundamental axiomatic flaw on their part not to see in the grand picture of time things have not always been as we see them now. Uh, that's a, it, it, great, great point. Mark, and you know the, the the funny thing is, is that uh, one of the one of the one of your listeners in the chat, Beren, mentioned it in the idea of moralistic evolution, the idea of moral evolution, and what it what it, what you said with regards to ancient beliefs triggered a, a thought in my in my thinking was the ancient belief that the the animal kingdom, each species has an oversoul, which governs that species of the animal kingdom, yes. which which changes the dynamic of predator-prey. There's no awareness of suffering as with the as with humanity. Yes. We are aware of suffering. And acutely and, aware and of it, yes. And it makes, it, it makes it, it's quite a distinction. Absolutely. And it's, it's a moral distinction. And so that's, that's great. I, I, I'm so, uh, yeah, that really answers the question, Mark. Well, thanks. I, I really appreciate the question. I think that's profound, and I, th I hope that that will help clarify some of that in the minds of, of listeners. So I really appreciate you uh, calling in with that question. No problem. Uh, great show, Mark, and I'll, I'll let you get on. I'm sure you've got other callers. Uh, thank you for your time. And, and uh, yeah, everyone just, uh, you know, uh, just make note, two hours earlier next week, we got Jan Irving coming in to continue awesome. his research. So uh, we're really going to have an exciting show. Thanks, Bro Mark. Brother, thanks so, much for what you, thanks so much for what you do, sir. All right, sir. We'll talk to you soon. Have a, you have a great it. night. Bye-bye. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, Freighter X, one of the speakers at the free, coming up at the Free Your Mind Conference in 2013. All right. Let's go to another caller. Let's take a call from Philadelphia. Area code 215. You're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. Uh, hello, is this, uh, is this me? Am I on? Yes, Tim. Hey, what's up, Mark? Tim Smith, ladies and gentlemen, one of the organizers for the Free Your Mind Conference. Welcome, Tim. Thanks for calling in, man. What do you have for us? Hey, I just wanted to mention first uh, that uh, it's great to hear all your call callers. It uh, gives me uh, some much-needed uh, positivity and optimism, you know, hearing these people, these initiates on the path of consciousness. I've said it so before, this show has the best callers of any uh, of any show on the internet as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I agree, man. Um, uh, before I got into the topic I wanted to cover, I just wanted to reach out to your first caller. I think his name is Nathan. Yes. Um, um, I just uh, feel deeply for him because he said his daughter had leukemia. Yes. And, um, I just wanted to recommend uh, to him a couple movies, uh, like uh, the movie The Beautiful Truth. It's about the Gerson therapy, oh, yeah. the uh, natural therapy. 
It's a good one. And also, uh, Cancer the Forbidden Cures and Cancer is Curable Now. It, uh, it just covers the uh, cancer conspiracy. And, you know, from what I've looked into, the uh, cancer thing is just a part of the eugenics agenda to take down the population to, uh, sure. you know, a lower amount of numbers. So uh, I've, been, I've been personally involved in exposing this conspiracy, and I just want to... Uh, recommend those movies to make Absolutely. Give them the titles one more time. Okay, so it's The Beautiful Truth covers the Gerson therapy. Then there's also The Forbidden Cures and also, uh, Cancer The Forbidden Cures and then also Cancer is Curable Now. Great. I've seen all three of those and they're phenomenal documentaries, all of them. Yes, and I... I I know that's I know that's one of your big fundamental issues that you work toward getting out there. That there's alternative treatments out there to cancer. Cancer can be treated holistically. Can be treated, you know, through uh, we could prevent it through what we do with our diet. And uh, you reach out there to people who are suffering from this, uh, you know, horrible condition, um, you know, on a day-to-day basis. That's one of the big aspects of your work. So thanks for doing that. Oh, uh, you're welcome. Um, I wanted to. Uh we, we went out to the uh, Susan G. Komen Race for the Cure, and we went yes. out there and handed out information and everything to yep. people. And if uh, people want to watch those videos, Mark's in the video, too. They could go to YouTube slash Signs of the Time Media. And that's my YouTube page, and they could uh, watch the videos called The Cancer Crusade. All right, g- give that one again. YouTube.com slash Signs of the Time Media, right? Yes, that's it. Okay. Signs of the time. Signs, plural, time, singular. Signs of the time media. Yep, great. Cool, man. Um, so I wanted to cover a topic of the non-supportive dominators. Sure. I kind of wanted to fill in something here that I'm not sure if you talked about. Yes, go right uh, ahead. First of all, I that not only do we not uh, want to support dominators, but we don't want to support ourselves being dominators because that. Uh, Sometimes when we all get a little bit of power, we kind of fall right. into that dominated ourselves. That's right. And that's the whole issue, that people take down one system of control and then they become the controllers and erect a new one. You know, We have to take down the system of control and replace it with nothing. Replace it with no control except self-control. Meaning working with yourself to understand the difference between right and wrong and then choose right action over wrong action. That involves discipline and self-control. That's the only kind of control that's real. You're in control of your own thoughts, your own emotions, and your own actions, and exactly nothing else. So that's a great point, Tim. We can't become the dominator ourselves, yes. Yeah, it's what you call the My Freedom Movement, where you know everybody just wants to kind of change the system for their own belief system. That of just let people be free, you know. That's right. So, get caught up in that. But I'm not sure if you uh, covered this aspect when it comes to the non-supportive dominators. But I find it very important in understanding the causal factors of how people have gotten this way, and uh, how and why people support uh, the very same people that enslave them. Uh, me personally, I find it hard to understand why people would want to be controlled by other people. You know. Right. Because we're all just people, and why would you want somebody else to be just a person just like you? Yes. Oh, I touched. So, I touched. Uh, I touched on it a little, and I think it all comes back down to the the dynamic of personal responsibility. You think about it. 
a master-slave relationship um, in any engagements with anyone who may be outside of that relationship. Let's just talk about one master and one slave. And let's say the master is interacting with another group of people who aren't his slaves. You know, they may be masters of other slaves or something. Would the other people that are going to go and interact with the master go and ask the slave anything? Interact with him on any level that means anything? You know, other than maybe, you know, give him a suggestion or, or, or a command? No. He's not interested in what the slave thinks. He knows that the slave is has abdicated his personal responsibility, or at least attempted to, to the master. And the master is saying, I'm your owner, you're my property. And if the slave accepts that, he's basically saying, you know, the master does all my thinking for me. He clothes me, he feeds me, he keep, gives me shelter, he does, you know, I do whatever he, he says that I have to do. But ultimately, you know, once that obligation is fulfilled to him, I don't have to do anything. I don't have to worry about anything for myself. I don't have to be self-reliant. I don't have to make my own decisions. He tells me what to think. He tells me how to dress. He tells me what to do on a daily basis, you know, and that's it. And, I, you know, none of those decisions, they're all out of my hands and they belong to the master. You know, even in Civil War slavery period in America, you look at the dynamic from studying it in writings, in letters, etc., that, that were left behind. And you realize the slaves that were kept, the black, a lot of the black slaves that were kept in America enjoyed the condition. They, as, as, as I understand how absolutely horrifying that sounds to pe in people's minds, but many slaves did not want to be freed. And many slaves, after they were freed in this country, they they wanted to go back to the plantations where they looked at it as they had it easier than being free and then having to make a way in life for themselves. And that that's also difficult because, guaranteed, they didn't set them free with much money, you know, and, and the system was still controlled by money then, and they had to fend for themselves with very little resources at their disposal. So most people wanted to go back into dependency, into total dependency. So it's not, I'm not in any way blaming them for that condition. Please don't take it as such. I'm saying that even when they were being held and viciously beaten and, and kept in deplorable conditions, many of them accepted it because they did not know any other way of life. They came up in a system like that. Many of them had come up from the time they were young, raised in a system like that. And that's our condition globally that were raised in a system of slavery, and so many people, since they don't know anything else, they're comfortable with it. And somebody telling them, this is slavery, here's what freedom looks like, they say, oh my God, that's what freedom looks like, you can keep it. They, they want to be dependent. I also addressed this issue in the speech at the end of the Fed rally, is that so many people are hopelessly dependent on the system, as they say in the Matrix. You know, they're so inured you know, they have been so beaten and downtrodden that they are completely dependent on the system and they've grown to like it. They like their dependency because it means they don't have to make their own hard decisions. They don't have to be self-reliant. And ultimately, they can pretend to abdicate their personal responsibility to someone else. Absolutely, Mark. Um, a key factor that I have uh, picked up on that causes uh, the condition of people to hurt their dominators is the sure. way people parent their children. Yes. Um, I blame it a lot on parenting skills or the lack of uh, parenting skills. Yes, absolutely. Parents, uh, parents treat their children as property, as if it's something that they own. Right. And that their job is to pull a child until that child becomes birth instead of actually raising their own children in That's consciousness. That's right. You and got it. 
they keep low pace uh, mindset of you know uh, reactive mindset mindset where it's just call and respond. Exactly. That's a that's a, a brilliant point, and and this this goes right down to the to the root causal factors. We raise our children like we own them, you know, at a mic at a macrocosmic level. The state's treating us like they own us, you know. Do this because we say you have to do it, or else. And that's how a lot of parents go about parenting, so-called parenting their children. That isn't raising anybody. Raising someone involves helping them to understand the why. That's where all the power is at. You want to empower somebody, you have to help them to understand the why of any given situation or problem. And this way, they know why they should act a certain way. What are the consequences and repercussions of choosing unwisely? That's what education is, real education is all about. And it comes from the Latin, educare. Educare means to lead out from, okay? What you're leading someone out of is darkness and ignorance. You're, you're leading them out of the darkness and into the light if there's a real education. Conversely, if there's an indoctrination, that's all based on fear, and it's all based on my way or the highway type thinking, which is all control-based, you know? You do this because I said so. Why? How many kids that that the two words kids come into this world saying, ladies and gentlemen, the two words that kids, you know, maybe they'll say mama or daddy for, you know, first words. But I guarantee you the words that they will be saying in their childhood more than any other words. Here they are is no and why. That's what children come into the world saying. And then we breed that right out of them. We indoctrinate that right out of them. And parents do that most of all. Don't say no. Don't ask why. Just do it because I said so. If that's the thinking of a parent, you're going to raise your kid to be a good little slave to the state. So great point, Tim. Yeah, kids, kids always say why, and parents just always say because I said so. And yeah. I think it's important to explain the why so then... The children actually understand why. Yes. If you tell them why, you're going to have two different reactions in kids, I think. One, the child's going to lose respect for you because you don't ever give them a good reason why. Yeah, you didn't take the time. You didn't take the time to explain your, your knowledge, your understanding to them. That's what parenting is all about, is spending time with your children to help them develop understanding that you currently have. You know, sadly, the part of the problem is so many parents don't have that understanding that it's the blind rate, you know, not raising the blind, you know. So go, go ahead, continue with your point. But yeah, I mean, just, you know, definitely brilliant and very apropos to the situation for sure. Yeah, so you either create a kid that has no respect or you'll create a kid that's an obedient slave. Right. And then that. Uh, grows up to be part of this society, and this is why we have this problem we have. You got today. it. Um, so Absolutely. Basically, um, uh, so basically, I have a couple of things. Uh, sure. Don't be a because I said so parent. Uh, don't say call kids names and say what is wrong with you or what are you stupid or something like that. Or uh, don't say I'm. Uh, yeah, because that goes into the like, that goes into the subconscious, and then they begin to believe it about themselves, then they, they stop trying because, oh, well, I'm stupid and I've always been like that. I probably always will be like that. And why should I bother to try to educate myself? You know, 
You see that with so many people that that's what they've been told and that becomes subconscious programming that is continuously reinforced through their lives. Another great point. Go ahead, continue. Yeah, I was going to be a more uh, positive parent instead of a negative one and just tell them things like, you know, you disappointed me because I know you know better. And, you know, children, they always do know better. They just need you to be there to tell them that, you know, to be there Exactly. And again, that's really what parenting is all about. And that's what this is all about is education. You hear the intro, the outro music coming up. Tim, phenomenal points. Other callers uh, who are on the line, sorry we didn't get a chance to get to you. But that's all the time we have for on this edition of What on Earth is Happening, ladies and gentlemen. Two great call-in shows over the last two weeks. Uh, thanks to all the callers who called in and made the show great. There's only two mistakes you can make on the path to truth. Not starting, not going all the way. Good night, everyone.